Welcome to Inspector Goals, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. Sam, we're back. We actually did a pod uh, within a week of another one. Um, He was impressed as I am. Yeah, really impressed. We've been quite consistent recently, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we had a little bit of a um, uh, blip in the middle of the season where we weren't as regular. But no, yeah, two back-to-back pretty decent yeah it's weird how it coincides with us doing a little bit better isn't it? strange <laughs> strange how that happens i was gonna say do you know on other podcasts they have their um uh they have their like ranks by their name yeah i was gonna say oh should we start doing that this week just as, you know unrelated to how well we're doing <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna do that we need to go retrospective when mine was actually decent at the beginning of the season <laughs> just put it back on the old videos <clears throat> yeah I'd, I'd be happy to do that now i wouldn't have been a few weeks ago um <laughs> But yeah, but massive, massive game week in general, wasn't it? Yeah, it's great um, fun. I mean, it's just it's just so much fun to have a double game week where the games are all so close and obviously virtually every team plays twice. So it was, um, mm. yeah, it was good fun. Uh, what did you end up getting in the end? 154 in the end, which is pretty huge. I think my game week rank was 3,000 3, or something. Wow. Um, so it was, like, it was exactly what we discussed last week. I remember we were saying... Um, obviously it's not guaranteed but it's extremely likely you're going to get a good green arrow when you bench boost particularly when I had like 30 fixtures mm. but you just hope that you get like the luck as well and that's thankfully that's what happened like I got to the end of the single game week when I'd had 15 fixtures played and I was I was yeah, smashing it in terms of like looking at the variance graph on optimized was already on a big uh, green arrow and then I just main, just basically maintained that for the rest of the time um, and the, yeah I suppose the big thing for me was the Newcastle clean sheet against Man United um, was huge because that's one I didn't expect, even mm. though they didn't get their second one. Just for them to get one clean sheet, I had triple defence. That was really big. And Solanke was the other big one for me, 11 points from him. Um, and and then I guess just the other like highly owned, well, Kane only getting, was it seven points? I think it was seven, yeah. Yeah, and then like no, well, yeah, Saka getting one point and the other Arsenal assets not doing well. It was a combination of those things as well. And then I had a lot of the same other players other people had. Captain McAllister, so I got that wrong. But yeah, only that cost me three points in the end. Um, so yeah, I was very, very happy. Got a lot of a lot of positive variants. Um, that triple great, Newcastle it's, clean it's great, sheet yeah. is just absolutely... I love it because <laughs> there's been years in the past where I've tripled up on defences and people have... I don't know, just I think it's because of my persona or character on, on Twitter or how I'm known, they think I'm... I was doing it to be quirky. Like, it was never that. I was doing it because I genuinely thought that this team had the best chance of getting clean sheets and therefore having three of them made sense to me. I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. Um, and I think I, it was actually Southampton, which sounds crazy now, but at one point, Southampton, when they had Lalana and all those that were, were actually a, an okay side, and I think they got three yeah. clean sheets in six games. So I, all three of the defenders started all the games. So 50% clean sheet ratio over six games and outscored most other people's defences in the end. So... It doesn't always fail, although it does feel like it usually it usually does. So it's nice to hear when um, it goes well. And I don't think you can pick a much yeah. better team than Newcastle for it to work with. They're just ridiculously uh, churning out clean sheets somehow. Yeah, and in yeah, because I've had that since twenty seven. In twenty seven and twenty eight, it actually felt quite unlucky because mm. in both games they didn't really concede. A, well, hardly conceded a, a big chance apart from the like an individual error in both games from Trippier and then from Botman. So it was really frustrating. And then. Then they got the clean sheet in the game. I didn't expect them to. Mm. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe they could get one here against West Ham. I don't know. It wasn't that unlikely they'd get one against West Ham, but no. it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Crazy um, game, that. But, but that, yeah, that Sunday game was massive for me because obviously I, I didn't have Luke Shaw. That clean sheet went. 
I didn't have Rashford captain. He got nothing. And then the triple Newcastle clean sheet was just, it was like best case scenario was 1-0 Newcastle for me, apart from like Dan Burns scoring or something. <laughs> um, so that, that kind of went as well as it could have done. And then, yeah, the Solanke one was brilliant because again, like we discussed before it, I didn't bring Solanke in expecting him to get a goal even. <laughs> I was just hoping that I'd get four points as a minimum and knew there was a chance he might get something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thankfully he managed to do that. His fixtures were good. Uh, and yeah. Both have played pretty well in both those games. Really well. Mm-hmm. I, I would have said I've... like a month ago, I'd have thought if someone had asked me, oh, who's going to go down this season? I'd have said, oh, definitely Southampton, definitely Bournemouth and one other. But now Bournemouth uh, turned it around. I didn't, honestly did not see that coming at all, to be honest. Well, they've made, they've made some good signings. I don't think that's the only reason, but yeah. I think the way they set up that front three um, on paper is pretty damn good. Um, and even their bench options, like Troy Ray, he's not fully integrated into the team, but I think mm. the idea is to get him fully into the team. And his stats are, are, are good, as we showed on this pod, right? When we looked at all the options that have come into the league, we were surprised by some of those cheaper Bournemouth mids, in Quattara yeah. and him. And yeah. uh, I think with Quattara in particular, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's looking like he's a good pickup for them. Definitely, the way they play. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I think their their attack, at least their front three players, are decent. Obviously, it doesn't really matter though how good your attack is if if your team's not able to progress the ball up the pitch. And obviously, Bournemouth still struggle in that area, but they're getting better and better. Um, yeah. So are. yeah, the fixtures are there ultimately, and that's that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like you say, the value's mm. there, the fixtures are there, the va- uh, what he allows elsewhere is. Is great. I mean, I, I went for Isak over Solanke um, because I had yeah. that extra money, like I talked about, which ended Same up. Same points though in the end, or similar. Uh, Isak got eight, so Solanke okay. got nine, did he, or eleven? No, he got he got eleven. In the yeah. End, yeah. So uh, ended up being worse, and I think now moving forward, given that Isak was benched, um, which always knew was a possibility, um, probably means that I probably should have just gone for the minutes in Solanke, but we'll see. I guess I don't know whether that was just because games were close proximity. Yeah, a possibility, but it seemed pretty unlikely to me, well, at least at the time when we discussed it. Um, like, I remember thinking, oh, I kind of wish I had Isaac, having committed triple, to triple Newcastle defence. There was a part of me thinking, oh, I kind of wish I hadn't committed to that, So he was because he might have become an option. So, yeah, I think before the game week, I, I would have been surprised by that happening. Mm. But, yeah, again, that was, the, again, that weird thing where then that was suddenly the game he returned in. He comes off the bench. Yeah. Did you see that goal, by the way? I've um, seen it on the highlights, yeah. Just it's such a cool... He's like... He loops it over the keeper and then he just stands over with his hands on his hip. It's, <laughs> it's such a cool celebration. Yeah, <laughs> before it's even gone in, he's just stood there, hands on hips, looking so casual. He's a yeah. great, he's a great player, isn't he? I mean, he's the thing, great. the thing is, we know Wilson's a very good Premier League striker who scores goals when he's on the pitch, and he and he did that again. So, I know potentially yeah. he went off with an injury, but that's you know that's part of Wilson's life story. I think. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but all it does do is it means in thirty. Or whenever we think they're going to get the double 36 probably um it makes this act probably a little bit worse of an option now because yeah. i don't know the blueprint is there that he probably only starts one of the games like we can't say it for sure but um it's likely right so i think the triple defense is still probably the best way at least in in minutes to secure that um yeah anyway for me i ended up with 149 uh which is good yeah, but i took a minus 12 so um <laughs> still good yeah, the minus 12 didn't really work, to be honest. I mean, um, Let's Talk FPL, Andy, had the exact same team as me going into this week, so we were discussing a lot what we were going to do, and he took the um, the safer option, um, pretty much, and he ended up scoring, I, think, I don't know how much it was, 150-something. Anyway, he scored, he scored more points than me um, by doing yeah. less moves, which is always my thing to do more. But as I talked about last, last week, um, it was my top line on review to do this, including Isak over Solanke. 
So I wasn't really surprised by, like we just discussed, Kane, um, you know, Odegaard I took out as well. I think he got seven as well. So Kane, seven, Odegaard, seven. Uh, Saka got one. That was a surprise. I expected him probably to get more. Uh, and Gabriel, I think, got two, didn't he? So, yeah, I didn't... I was hopeful that Arsenal wouldn't keep a clean sheet, but it was obviously a chance to. So that went, worked out pretty well. That's about as good as I could have hoped for in terms of the points I took mm-hmm. out. For me, the real letdown is the players I've bought in just, just haven't performed. Um, you know, they've still done okay comparatively, and, and such that's why it shows the move was pretty good um, EV-wise, because um, even in sort of the worst-case scenario, which this was close to, it still wasn't terrible. Yeah. You know, Sal- yeah. Salah got bent. I mean, to see, we were talking about robust players who play every game, and then I get Salah, and I catch his first, I think it's probably his first benching of the of the whole season. Um, you know, he still scored yeah, against City, yeah. very luckily for me. But, um, yeah, that was annoying for him to get benched. I also went for Isak, <laughs> who, only get, who got, only got one of the games. Again, lucky, he probably scored in, in the small amount of minutes he's got. But Bruno Fernandes being the big letdown with four points, and then Luke Shaw, I think a lot of people got him. But, yeah. you know, to get one point... From those two fixtures is is literally worst case scenario. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not even really too bothered about that. I know, like, part of the reason why I did this was was the setup. Like we talked about now, my team was pretty much in like an optimal position for the fixtures moving forward. I was already early on to the likes of Triple Man United. I had Salah in my team. You know, I was happy. I already had Isak in place, who I thought was a really good option at the time. It's perfectly yeah. set up for Tony Tarden. The issue now comes where. And it's something I always struggle with. I like to get ahead of the game, like in Sky, I do this in the planning. And then an injury happens or something happens and you, you don't get to see it out to the point where you would benefit from that actual move. Like Rodrigo I did mm-hmm. earlier in the season, you know, gets injured just before a double game. I don't know whether that's my fault as a manager or it's bad luck or it's a combination because, you know, if, I, if Salah, there's rumours, I don't know if you've seen, that Salah is now injured or he's at least missed training today. Um, there's even a video of him slightly hobbling. I've got no idea whether there's that. There's also the fact he's, and he's doing Ramadan and stuff as well, isn't he? So I don't know whether they've just given him an extra day. I don't. We don't know at this point because um, we're recording too early for the press conferences. But if now Shaw and Salah are out, and I've got them ahead of time, that the idea is to get ahead of the curve. And now I'm suddenly yeah. massively behind it because people can then just not get those players and I have to actually remove those players so I actually end up two steps backward. That's the bit I get annoyed about. I'm not even really annoyed about the point so much. It's about the fact that then you have to completely readjust and yeah. I know it's part of FPL but it just feels incredibly harsh. I'm sorry I'm going on my rant. People probably say it's my own <laughs> fault but when you make <laughs> no, a brave move like that and then get punished by double injury it's just like, oh, I don't yeah. know what to say. It is brutal because yeah, like you said, if they just both... Um, you know, got booked in both games and they both got like one point mm. or two points over the two games, you would think, oh, at least I've got them long term. Yeah. Whereas in injuries, particularly with those, well, particularly with Salah, an injury and a benching is just like so unpredictable. Um, and yeah, like I saw that Gomez didn't play to de- train today or Jota. I don't know if there's anything about Jota, Gomez being injured at all or any indication. No, because if not, he's then got it, a terrible record as well, though, hasn't he? So. Yeah. But yeah, so it could it could it's not uncommon at all, is it, for players to just get rested for sessions? Mm. They need a bit more rest. But yeah, the, the thing that would be worrying is the fact he's being rested and he only played the thirty minutes or whatever it was in the previous game. Yeah. Um. So that seems kind of unlikely, but yeah, who knows? Who he, knows? he could have picked up but, the injury in the game, couldn't he? That's the thing. At least you have the press conference before, like tomorrow. Yeah. I presume anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to rage um, yet. I'm just preempting the possible rage of if that is going to happen. Um, and um, what we. Um, in terms of how your team set up, what was your plan for 28, sorry, for 30, and how would that change if Salah's out? Well, sure. well it's just Tony to Haaland, um, which I think is pretty much, well, a lot of people's plan anyway. Um, yeah. For me, if Salah is out, 
and it's just a short-term thing, then I've got March on the bench away to Tottenham that I could just play instead. I think I would mm-hmm. just do that and keep Salah. I wouldn't want to get myself moves behind, like I've already discussed. Um, it would be annoying to have that much money on the bench, but I don't think March versus Spurs is the worst thing in the world. I, like, I could get away yeah. with it. Yeah, um, yeah. If Shaw's also out, it would just be a stupid and away to Spurs as well. So I just have to hope on a Brighton masterclass versus Spurs, which, the way, given the way Brighton are playing and Spurs are playing at the moment, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? So mm. hopefully if they are injured, it's just short term. Like I said, the, the depressing thing for me is the fact that the, the expected value actually came from this plan, not necessarily in this double. It came in the weeks following it. So yeah. I'm yet to see the yeah, benefit. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop moaning. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a safe space. <laughs> I've been doing it most of the season as well. Mm. Your turn. Hang on, my daughter's now. <laughs> Layla, what are you doing? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry. <laughs> Layla, if you're going to jump up, say hello. To... <laughs> no, say hello quickly and then go. Come here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Hello. Right, <laughs> bye. Bye, Layla. Sorry about that. Have a good Easter. <laughs> she can't hear you. I'll pass on your love. <laughs> That's That's who's she captaining? Oh, no. I'm, I, there's no chance I'm getting her into this. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. She wants to keep the hair on her head. <clears throat> um, yeah, um, so what's our plan this week then? Because we're, we're just going to answer questions pretty much aren't we after we've just rambled on our team and look at the chat we've put out a Q&A and kindly people have responded so um, yep. I think we'll, we'll probably get into it I've also got some slides on, on some of the fixtures um, and rest that Lego Mane's put out which I think will be quite useful when we discuss bits and pieces so we can move to them yeah I think in terms of yeah particularly get on particularly on our, on our game week 27 episodes because I was wildcard and we discussed loads of stuff, big picture already, and then the same last week because we bodied last week. You know, we've we discussed a lot of the general dilemmas people have, and then more of the kind of new or short-term dilemmas are really dependent on press conferences. Mm. Um, and and so yeah, there's not a whole like lot to immediately discuss. So, yeah, I guess we'll go. I think we just go through the questions and then they will that will like stem conversation as we go. And then if anyone in the chat who's listening live um, or watching live has any questions as we go, just pop them in there. And then we'll, we'll cover them all as well. So if I just go through the Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'll just I'll just work my way from the from the first to the last. Okay. Oh great, and the fixtures are up there as well. Cool, that's helpful. Um, so uh, this is from FPL Gherkin. Great name. <laughs> he must be in a bit of a pickle. <laughs> For those who brought in Bruno this week. In many cases, to join Rashford and a couple of Brighton mids, what do you do with him now? Do we bench him until Casemiro is back, or is he unbenchable at his price? Here's my team as an example. Um, I would say that that like my instinct there is that was a big overreaction. It's not the same for you, in terms of like. Well, I can't ben- see his team and who he's benching him for. Who would he be benching him for? But also, he's he has actually shared a screenshot. So, for example, for next week in his team, he's got. He's got Botman ahead of Fernandez on his bench. No chance. Both, both Brighton mids starting ahead of Fernandez. No. Like, I, I think I would just like he did play deep, didn't he? Which we didn't expect. Correct. Um, but ultimately, yeah, Casemiro is back soon, and he's still going to be uh, a bigger goal threat than a lot of these other players. Despite that, plus he's on penalties, so I would I would not overreact to that. I would just keep playing him and stick with the plan. Like my plan at the moment is, is to keep. I don't know if it's the same for you. Um, is to keep keep Fernandez until the end of the season, or at least until after the next double game week. Um, that's why I've got him in there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the only way that would ever really change is if Salah was out for an extremely long time, and then yeah, I'd have to think about what I'm going to do in my midfield spot. Maybe it would go to Grealish, for example, and then I'd have more money, and then I could do something with Fernandez. I, I don't know, but otherwise, he's staying the whole time. I think. Yeah, there's a good chance that he could continue playing deep. He played pretty well in that game, you know, not FPL-wise, mm. but he played well. And the manager even commented on, on how well he did, and he certainly helped in the build-up. I think Ericsson's also in training coming back. I think you can't guarantee from game to game that's where he would play, um, even when all those guys are back. Like, you know, he has played multiple positions. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's not really even about the money for me. I mean, if you need the money, fair enough, but... Uh, it's just like what you've already mentioned. It's, it's set pieces, penalties, everything. You can get rewards from that position. Those players that have... I mean, even McAllister, before he was in the 10 spot for Brighton, has had a pretty good season and picked up a few penalties here or there. And then we'll pick anyone can pick up an assist from set pieces. I think, especially if Shaw's out, Shaw takes quite yeah, a lot of the free say, yeah, yeah, I noticed Bruno Fernandes started taking what it seemed to, to me, I was half asleep in bed, that he was taking more set pieces. Um, mm. So I just wouldn't worry yet. I mean, it's home to Everton. It's a good fixture. Let, yeah. let, let's wait and see if that changes. I mean, if, if Ericsson and Casemiro come back, he's still playing deep. His XGI has dropped off a cliff. You know, maybe he gives a penalty to Rashford. Then I'll have to I'll have to think about it. But it's a long way off. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would not worry about that. That would be a, that, a general answer. There would be chill. <laughs> chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one's from FPL Antis, as in A U N T I E S. Um, for those who didn't use wildcard and bench boost, um, how do we know how much we need to make up in 33 and 34? So for anyone who's not wildcarded in, most people did it in 26 or 27, plus they've not bench boosted in 29, and they've got a strategy of wildcard 33, bench boost for 34, how do they know how much they need to make up? Um, I, I guess the, uh, I would say there's, there's kind of a couple of ways you could do it. You could go back and look at the data uh, in terms of, you could look at the prime sample on FPL optimized, mm-hmm. or you could look at wh- wherever your target is, whether it's top 100k, for example, or somewhere else, and see over the last few weeks how much you've generally lost um, to the field. And just and just because you know that the majority of those people will have gone with that strategy, and that will give you an idea, mm. um, and see how much you've got to make up. But there's so many factors, it's hard to put a number on it, I guess. Um, yeah, you can use one. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's review, there's FPL optimized. They've all got certain tools on them that can help with mm. that. But my question, I know it's nice to sort of have an idea or a target in your head, but it's out of your control anyway. Like, mm. you know, you're still going to follow through from that strat and what points you get is what points you're going to get. You can't worry about it. You just, you can look after it and compare and see what would have worked better, but it's all out of your, it's all out of control. Clearly yeah. at the moment, the best, there has been some very good weeks to bench boost. It's not just this week, but there have been others as well. Um, yeah, and then maybe more in the future. Just it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because if you've outscored, um, you know, the team you're comparing to, whoever that might be in a mini league or whatever, or maybe it's just OR um, outside of the bench boost comparing, then who cares? What, what if your triple captain beat the other person? What if you know? I, I, I never personally get hung up on that sort of stuff. I'm just always going yeah. for the total maximum points, and I couldn't care less like what what else is happening. But probably easy for me to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, like, there's nothing you can do about it now, but there are. It's like it's it's like it's interesting. So, yeah, so FPLoptimized.com. If you've not heard of that, optimized spelled with a Z. Um, you just put in your ID, and there's got loads of there's a. If you go on season review, there's then absolutely loads of tools yeah, within amazing. one web within one web page. Like it's yeah, <laughs> the amount of details insane. It's incredible. So, 
big shout out to Sertelp who runs that website. Um, and the data they use in that website to establish things like variants in terms of where you would maybe expect to be is I believe the free data from review, which would be like not far off the uh, massive data model anyway, but that's what they use as, as the basis mm -hmm. for that as well. So that's a really good tool if you've never used that before. And it is an interesting one. So earlier in the episode, like when I was talking through my game week and I mentioned on Optimize looking at a graph, that's basically a graph that compares um, where you would expect to be at that point in the game week in terms of expected points based on that data and where you are currently. And I really like looking at that graph because sometimes you can get to, for example, uh, 5.30 on a Saturday before the, the tea time fixture and you feel like you're doing awfully, but actually you, you might not realize that you've only had three players playing at 3 p.m. and most people had six or seven. And so you, rather than just looking at a big red arrow, you can look at that website and it'll give, it'll put it more into perspective uh, for you. Yeah. And it, it worked the other way as well and make you a bit depressed at times <laughs> when you, and you realize you're not doing as well as you thought and it was completely expected. See, I, I, love, um, I love all those tools it's really helpful. and I love those yeah. graphs and I am very appreciative of the people who are doing them. I think the work's incredible, but I never look at that stuff. Like, I just wait till the game week's over. I never look ahead of time. I don't even look at live cool. FPL. I don't know about... I seem to be alone in that because it's plastered all over my timeline whenever I go into Twitter straight away. Um, I'm not mocking those people. I just... I don't know. I just don't see the point in it personally until the week's over. Um, don't get me wrong I will bitch and moan in group chats like anybody's business as I'm sure Sam can testify but <laughs> I don't I don't look at it until the well I don't even look at it at the end a lot of the time I just see the rank where has it gone up has it gone down um, pretty much but they are great tools without a doubt and people yeah. swear by them yeah 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 definitely like they, yeah I find them I find them really interesting um, really good question very good question um, have we, let's see if we've got any in the chat shall we um, it's quite a lot. Shall I read one out? I've got one. Yeah, from, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'll just go for the most recent one from Emil Christensen. Luke, you have mentioned Alvarezin for game week 33, 34, and beyond. Are you still on that? Um, or what are your two thinking for the forward position? Or, or what are you two thinking for the forward positions? Sorry, it's really small on my screen. Um, yeah, it's uh, things have changed very, very slightly, haven't they? I think a lot of people probably had Isak penciled in and well maybe Mitrovic to begin with in 34 and then we found out that he was banned because he enabled a lot um Salarin potentially if you weren't on him already uh Isak was another alternative option who probably has the double in 36 or at least has a double somewhere to come along with the other one um then obviously he got benched so now he's probably a slight worry and then the other ones I looked at before looking at Alvarez were Danny Ings have got he's got a double but we saw him get benched in one of the games in the double West Ham are also atrocious. Um, not too sure about that one. And Inacho was another obvious name, I felt, um, at that point, because they have got pretty damn good fixtures, if I can remind myself of a look at it here. Yeah, home to Everton, away to Fulham. Now, again, for my personal team, and I don't know if it would be the same for anyone else, I would I would have played him if I brought him in for the home to Everton game, away to Fulham, and then I could bench him for Liverpool, Newcastle and West Ham, or have him use him if I really had to, because fixtures aren't terrible. But... Um, yeah, that that was an option for me. But then we saw that he... I don't think he started in like four games now. And they've obviously transitioned manager. So I think we're as we were with Inacho. We just can't trust him to start games, seemingly. Um, yeah. I don't see how that's... <clears throat> even if he plays three games in a row now and scores three goals, I don't think you could guarantee he'll, be, he'll then be playing in 34. So he seems off the radar. Um, so I think the, probably the really obvious answer, if you want to be safe, is to is to move to someone like Pereira and play if it needs to be that cheap. 
or just play five midfielders and have two strikers and just have a bench mm. guy, you know, like Greenwood or someone to not even play. Um, I think that's an option. I uh, think. Um, sorry, mate. Go on. You can go. The only thing I was to say his main question was Alvarez. Are, are you on that? Um, potentially, I am. Like I've never said I was definitely on it. I just think that it is enticing for the reason that. Um, well, well, I just discussed, there's no real obvious striker. So if I was to move to Alvarez in 34, alongside Haaland, who would play Fulham and West Ham, I say play because he may not feature, um, he then he then has Leeds, Everton, another double, and Brentford. Now, if Man City is still in the Champions League at this point, um, it's the fact that he's the first backup for De Bruyne and for Haaland, so... I would expect he'll probably see some minutes in those games if they're still in the Champions League. And it's a massive punt, but he's sort of one where you can bring in or leave on the bench in any of those given weeks, given how good our squad is in general. And it might be like a Hail Mary kind of option. It's cheap enough. It obviously locks you out of your third City player, but I don't think that's a problem for a lot of people because I, don't, I think a lot of people are sort of looking at, you know, Haaland, maybe that's it. Possibly Haaland, um, sorry, Edison to go with him. And then umming and ahhing, maybe they get Grealish or De Bruyne or something. So, yeah. It's not like it would be, um, yeah, too detrimental unless one of those other options is just, you know, crazily good, like Grealish or De Bruyne. Alvarez could could match them conceivably. So it's yeah. it's definitely risky. Like his minutes are far from secure, but I do think it's an option given the dearth of other strikers. And and if you're happy to bench him in other weeks, like you could get pretty lucky with that. Especially if he, I mean, even if he came on twice in 34, let's say Haaland went off in 60th minute, um, two games in a row. It's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, generally when he's on the pitch, he performs well. So if you were to get you know, 60, 70 minutes out of him compared to some of those other strikers, that might that might be pretty good for him. So I, I think he's an option. It's just it's too it's probably too early at this point to say. It's one that we'll have to judge when we get closer, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I really had anything to add to that. I just in general what you're saying about Man City there. I think the thing that makes it interesting it's just funny to go into a double game week, which in thirty four and in my opinion, I think it's pretty likely that a lot of people will have one or two Man City players. And that's partly because a lot of people will free hit in 32. And so far, they're coming out of that with one transfer in 33 and then two for 34. So you're limited with the amount of transfers you can make. And also, the Brighton assets are so good. Most people have got two of them in midfield. A lot of people will have Bruno and, Fernand- Bruno and Rashford in midfield. So there's only one midfield spot left. There's not another... That, well, Alvarez is an option. So he's one of the only other options. And I think people will just be... Uh, unlikely to go with uh yeah maybe, maybe most people just go one of the defender yeah i mean i'll probably end up i think i'll end up going with edison to be honest yeah um, edison's pretty much a lock for me i don't see me not yeah. going for edison i mean i've got Kepa is... sat in my team as well and lampard's just been uh appointed as manager bafflingly so um i don't think Kepa's even secure now i mean i would have thought that given things have moved on since he's been there Kepa's established established himself yeah. there's still more chance he plays than doesn't but he has got a track history of um, of not favouring him, hasn't he? So I suppose that's something to worry about too. You've got Raya as well. I've got Raya as well, but yeah. Ed- Edison's pretty much coming in in 31 for me, unless you know Salah is dead, Shaw is dead, uh, and, and I have to <laughs> I have to worry about it. Um, yeah. Harlan's not fit or or whatever. Um, in the background, I've also brought up the fixture ticker from Lego Mane, which just shows the um, the gap or the rest between games for some of these teams up to 35. Um, bearing yeah. in mind the Champions League uh, semi-finals, if Man City, um, Chelsea, Chelsea, no, I can't remember if they're still in. They're out now, aren't they? Um, Chelsea is still in. Oh, they're still in. I think. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> totally forgot where they were. 
It's been such yeah, a shambles yeah. at, at Chelsea. I was, I was yeah, they're was. still in there. Okay. Who they well, can't remember they're playing now. Yeah, they are still in it, but I still can't remember the draw. Someone will have to remember me. I'm getting it's basically all, it's all the big teams on one side. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, and the small teams on the other yeah, side, basically. Na- Napoli they're... are favoured to get to the final now. Aren't so are they, are they playing, are Chelsea playing Real Madrid? I don't know. <laughs> My mind's gone completely blank. Shambles. Absolute shambles. <laughs> that's not on this, uh, that's not on this um, graph that we've got here. So um, bear in mind that may add to the, the complications. And the... They're, they're, I've looked it up. The, the semi-finals would be after 35, between 35 and 36. Yeah, which comes just after the graph anyway. But in particular, there, you've got Fulham and West Ham very close together, followed by Leeds. And then straight away after that, it would be Champions League. And then I believe it's Everton after that. And it's not on here, but I think it is. Mm. So some easier games around then as well. So... Um, anyway, that, that's a long way to go. In the in the immediacy, we can see that the turnaround for Man City in particular, uh, with this Southampton game straight to Bayern, is pretty damn short. And I've got quite a few questions this week about Man City options, so I think people are already looking to bring them in. Um, Interesting. Okay. It's going to be. I think it's going to be brave. Is what I'm going to say. <laughs> you think it's <laughs> going to be what? It. Sorry. It'll be pretty brave to do it. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we, well, should we just cover Holland now then first? Well, let's do it. I mean, with the information we've got, do you think he starts? Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. always a the fan of the team training thing, aren't you? Yeah, the fact he's in team training already today, I would think he probably. I would think he starts. Yeah, they're in a proper title race. Um, when are they not? And, well, sorry. I, I said when are they not? But to be fair, there's been seasons where they're like twenty points clear. So fair enough. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there would always like it'd be, always be a possibility at this stage they wouldn't win out. Yes, but they, they, yeah, they would could be like ten points clear in other seasons be a bit more relaxed but yeah i just think is what you said for most of the season or what we've come to learn about harland um is that basically he'll play when he's fit and then they'll just take him off early if they can um and that's yeah so that's what i think will happen i think he'll play start and then he'll come off if they're three nil up for example he'll come off at about 60 minutes mm-hmm. something like that would be my guess the only thing um, i'll add to that is that pep pep generally hasn't started players unless they've been in team training for like a little while um, okay. in the past but um, you know there's there's some examples of Stones Diaz but these guys have been out for a relatively long period of time Walker yeah. you could argue were they even favoured at the time as well it's not just those factors you got De Bruyne who missed it if you remember he missed a day's training um, mm. before Spurs I think it was then he didn't play but then you could make an argument tactically that he probably shouldn't play because he didn't play the second game mm. you know, people put it down to the fact he missed the training or was it the tactic? You can never say for sure with these things, is what I'm getting yeah. at. But the, Pep has got a history of not really risking people. I mean, he's done it last season. He did it. I think it was it was definitely Walker and definitely Stones. And I think it was against uh, Real Madrid in the Champions League, where they weren't expected to start. They were they were injured, and then he played them, and they came off um, mm. very early on in the game because they just couldn't make it. To me. Um, Pep probably learned a little bit of a lesson there, where you know he, he's experienced the risk of, of putting someone on as for an injury, and they've come off like in all scenarios. So, yeah, um, he, he possibly wouldn't. But in the case of Haaland, I think because he started training so early enough, and the history of him, I still think that probably trumps him with the information we've got, and it, it is most likely for me that he would start. I think sixty or thirty is is almost a given, um, given he's in training. You know, unless he gets a setback in training or something, but. Um, I guess if he was on the bench, and they, but they were like five nil up or something. I think he'd still play because he's playing, oh, really? okay. yeah, just to get some minutes. In his day. I think yeah. he'll play. He'll play in this game unless he has a setback now for me. And I think the most likely scenario is he starts and he comes off probably around sixty, like you say, if they're like three four nil up. Um, 
maybe even, yeah. maybe even pre-planned the sort of sixty-five seventy. I feel pretty confident he'll play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if the if the uh, say there was just no press conference and we had to make the decision right now. Oh yeah, I'd buy him. Yeah, I, I would buy him, but uh, the captaincy would, it would be a really difficult call. I'm just hoping mm. that tomorrow, like makes. I really want to captain him because he's Haaland. Um, so I like, really want to have assurance that he's going to play. Like if Pep says tomorrow, like he's absolutely fine or something to that effect, I'll probably just captain him. Uh, and again, that's quite exciting because a lot of people will be put off captaincy, will buy but not captain, again, because of that uncertainty. So I really like the idea of captaining him. But if I had to make the decision now, I'd probably buy but not captain him with just because I'm not knowing 100%. I'm pretty sure he'll be my captain. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I suppose it depends who you're competing with. I think the general casual player base will probably still have him in their team. Um, mm. And even if they don't, I think just seeing the fact that he, the flag would be removed and all the Man City... I mean, those Man City accounts and all the news, and if you're just a Man City fan, it all gets promoted everywhere that he's back in training straight away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he will still be heavily captain, but you could argue a lot of us aren't competing with some of those players. But it, that's irrelevant anyway. It's who gets the most points. And I think Haaland in a game 60 minutes versus Southampton still has a very good chance to outscore all of the other captain options, as we know. So, yeah, yeah, I think I probably will do that. Um, as for the rest of the options, I mean, I may as well talk about it while we're here, if you don't mind. I know yeah, it's not particularly yeah, in the order, but I've got... Um, let see if I can find it. I put a tweet out about this Man City team. Um, I did this a couple of months back as well. Um, and it's just sort of looking at the general structure that Pep's going for at the moment. Um, and it's always at the moment because we know that he can... I think the last time I did this, Bernardo Silva hadn't played inverted fullback like ever in his career and then suddenly just churned that out um, ahead of time. So we know, we know what he's capable of. Um, but this is a general blueprint of, of how they've been setting up in most of their games. And I think the first name that you can see there, if you're listening on the pod, it's got Edison Gull, Ake, Diaz and Akanji in the back three, Rodri Stones in midfield, De Bruyne, Gundogan as the eights, Grealish, Haaland, Foden... That's the front three. I think that's his go-to option. Um, we can see that from the Champions League games as well. Um, you know, there's been some injury that have, that have changed things. That that's the team he kind of looks to go to. So, if we assume he plays a team similar to that versus Bayern, and this is where I think there's also an element of debate where Tuchel's only Tuchel's only just gone to Bayern. I know they've got a lot of really good players out wide, Bayern. But I'm not, com- I, you know, I'm not confident enough. I don't think anyone could be in the way that Tuchel would set up with Bayern. Given I think he's only played two games with them versus Dortmund, and then in the cup they played. And mm-hmm. he, did, you know, he has set up with a back four. You know, he set up with a back five for Chelsea. Um, you know, you'd, you'd have to probably get more information there to say, okay, this is the team he's, he'd set up for Bayern tactically. It makes sense, and then work backwards to Southampton. Think, okay, who does he need to give a rest potentially in preparation for that game? So that makes that part of it tricky, is what I'm getting at, because we don't know. Yeah what Tuchel's going to do necessarily. I do know that Bayern have got a lot of strength out wide. So you could argue maybe he doesn't use this setup, maybe he uses a back four and he uses Walker out wide. Like some people might say that's useful for against the kind of players he's playing. And I, I completely yeah. get that. But um, if we work back from this team and go back to Southampton, um, you know, is there players there that he could potentially bring in the backup and give the other player a rest? And I think now Stones, as amazing as he's been and how great he's been in midfield as well, he's the kind of player who's just he breaks so often when he gets games consistently in a row. I don't mm-hmm. really think there's a need to play him this Southampton game. So I think he would be one, and he's one I've been asked about, like, should I move early for Stones, especially if, like, Shaw's out? I don't know if I'd risk it yet. Because I think this game or Bayern, 
it would make sense not to use him. I've used the Walker, like I said, against Bayern instead, and then play Stones versus Southampton, or vice versa. Play Walker or play Lewis in midfield in this game, and then use Stones versus Bayern, which I would do because I think Stones has been fantastic. But yeah, so it's it's stuff like that really, just to warn people that we know the games before Champions League. Although he is going hard and he's going for um, the league, and he will he will stay with a very strong core of that. I have no doubt there is at least options to take one or two people out and give them a rest because the backup's basically as good as the first-team player in like all scenarios. So I personally wouldn't want to bring any Man City player in this week outside Haaland. I, I, but I think if you were going to risk it, I think the obvious name's already been discussed, isn't it? With the fact that Foden is out injured, we can see that Grealish's backup is pretty much non-existent yeah. unless he does something you know, out of the blue, plays Bernardo Silva left forward, which mm. rarely ever happened in his career, but you know, it has been known to occur, or in a game they've sort of switched positions. So, uh, again, probably long-winded. I wouldn't touch anyone this week, but I think if you were to push to bring anyone in outside of Haaland, it's pretty much got to be Grealish. Gundogan's a great option, but he's he's getting on now. I think he's probably going to be used for Bayern. Could he use Silver there instead? He could do, right? Mm-hmm. Do you disagree with any of that? I mean, I don't think you're looking to buy any of them. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that, but I just... I just always feel so uncertain about the cent- even the centre backs. Like what you've said there, like in my head, our Stones is um, such a consistent performer that you just so don't know when. Mm. Yeah, he's so good. But then I just even him, I don't feel confident buying, which is basically just why I like Edison. I'm just gonna try and for me, it's gotta I've got to ignore the bias of like what happened last time I had Edison because it was so frustrating over the last few game weeks mm. uh, or the first game few game weeks after Christmas. I've got to try and get rid of that bias in my head and, really, and just remind myself that like doesn't mean it's going to be really unlucky again. It could go really well, and it probably should do. Um, so I'll probably end up getting Edison, and I'll probably just have Edison and Haaland, to be honest. Um, yeah, for me, it's just those two, and Grealish is the other one that stands out, and then KDB becomes an option if Salah's injured. I'm, I'm... But I don't think there's any reason to think Salah's out long-term or anything yet. No. No, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm with you. I think... You know, not just for this week. Moving forward, it always has to be looked at week to week with Pep. But I think if you were to say right now, who would you buy? And I think a lot of the people that we would buy now, we are aiming for it to be a season-long thing, even if it's not yeah. now, if even if it's a few weeks. My answer is still going to be the same. It's going to be Edison Haaland. You can risk Grealish with a pretty high confidence that he's going to play most games. Remembering Foden is due back in a, you know, he's, I think he's only said three weeks or something. It would be after an operation. But again, going back to the whole training thing, I think it would probably end up being a little bit longer than that. Um, yeah. outside of that it's a pretty big risk I think De Bruyne in isolation if you think he's going to play the game which he does most of the time um, he's a good pick but we've seen him dropped as well haven't we so it's it's a bit of a mm-hmm. risk to, I would say even with him I, I think I talked about it on last week where in 37 Man City have got a double and then you can maybe look to, if we've got Salah you can maybe move Salah to De Bruyne in 37 and 38 but we don't know about Champions League and I'm getting ahead of myself so uh, it it's back to the whole Edison, Haaland, Grealish, and I don't think you can really risk anyone else, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't even say for sure who's going to play right wing in the Champions League because I do really like Mares, and Mares is very much known as the Champions League guy who's ready for the big setting. Um, and he's playing really well, but Silva's yeah. also playing really well, and he was ill last week. Like, he didn't start the game, and Pep said, oh, he wasn't ill enough, he was too ill, he wasn't fit enough to start the game. Mm-hmm. If we go Sorry, back, that's Mara, that's Mara's, is it? You're talking or Silver that was ill. Mara's and Silver. We don't know who would have played right wing if Silver was fully fit. Mara's played. Oh, Silver was ill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, um, again, if you go back to the Champions League and you look at the Leipzig game, you can see that Silva started ahead of Mahrez. They won 7-0 and he was fantastic. And that was Champions mm-hmm. League. So, we can't work back from Bayern and say Mahrez is going to play Bayern, so therefore Silva will play versus Southampton because it could be Mahrez plays Southampton and Silva actually gets the, the Champions League game. Um, so, yeah, I just don't I don't trust it enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um are you happy to move on from City League? Absolutely. Present. Rambles. That was, just, that was really helpful. And so basically your general advice is to just kind of delay those decisions, basically, yeah. apart from Haaland. Yeah. I think I think Diaz, if you have to if you want to go for another defender, Diaz is definitely the one. He plays the okay. most he's played every game since he's been back. You know, that makes him for me a still a slight risk around Champions League for the reasons discussed. He might want to rest him for the game, but he's generally got had a reputation in the past of being a tank and been able to play most of the season. Um so I wouldn't particularly worry. If we go back to Lego Mane's um, fixture gap ticker and see the rest, you can see that that Sheffield United game comes after the Bayern game yeah. in 31. So you've got 31 is Leicester, and they've got Bayern with a decent enough break, three games. And then they um, then they play Sheffield United in the Cup, where, yes, he will go stronger in the Cup than everyone expects because he always does, and he'll want to win the game. But given the short turnaround there, that's probably the game that stands out for the ability to rest the likes of Diaz and stuff, right? Especially as they've got Arsenal straight after that as well. So I think yeah. that's a pretty obvious rest one. Um, so yeah, yeah if, you, if you've got someone like Diaz, I think you know he's got a good chance of playing the vast majority of those games. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, just going back to where we were with United and Luke Shaw, Stefan B in the chat just says, what about De Gea if you don't have Shaw? The thing I'd say straight away to that is... <clears throat> I don't think like Man United defense is anything we need to desperately be trying to cover. Like they've got a double coming up, that's great, but their defense isn't really that uh, fantastic. So actually, if you can delay that, and you, if your second keeper plays, which they will do for most people, don't know if that's your case, and um, you can probably just play your other keeper. Um, in fact, you probably have two keepers who play anyway. Yeah, because you're not replacing a keeper, so you've probably got at least one playing keeper. So I'd just see that out and go for Edison if you're looking for a goalkeeper. Because you've lost Shaw and he happens to play for Man United defence, I wouldn't desperately look for another Man United defender or goalkeeper for that reason. Well, that's fair. Um, I think I think if I if I wanted to target the Man United defence now and Shaw is out, then De Gea is the way to do it, I think. But there's no reason to, in my opinion anyway. Like, uh, volume of fixtures, good games. I think there's a reason. I just think there are other alternatives, particularly when it comes to goalkeepers. Because you can just get Edison, and most people. Or it's just a, it's just a transfer on a keeper when you've already got a playing keeper. Just don't. I just don't see it as worth it um, mm. at the moment until the doubles. In which case, Edison's better. Yeah, I suppose, um, but I don't know whose keepers are. You know, if he's sat with sure, Ward yeah. and yeah, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't force point. it. Yeah. But if he's got Ward and Kepper and Kepper, Ward and Sanchez, <laughs> Ward and Sanchez. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, there's some people who did that. Um, Maybe Stefan is the, the one that person who did that. Edison's still better than De Gea, though. I'm going to go on record, and you can come back and slander me when he says a fucking awful again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he concedes from his one shot, they concede all match <laughs> for about 40 yards. <laughs> um, uh, Shinaza Nuala says, um, are you thinking of selling Fernandez back to an Arsenal midfielder? Uh, we've already covered that, actually. So, no. And like definitely not before... Well, well, yes, actually, but after Man United double, that'll definitely become an option for Arsenal's running um, from like game week 35 onwards. But definitely not before Man United double because we're not too concerned. Mm. Um, and we know Casemiro is going to be back soon and then he'll definitely play more advanced. But we've already kind of, I don't want to repeat ourselves for the people listening on the podcast. 
Um, um, yeah, Chanel's also asked, um, I know free hit 32 is the play, but Saka Martinelli could hurt the rank. So before 32, with an injured Salah and defensively minded Fernandez in most teams. Um, yeah, I suppose the thing to take from this is like, if Sal- say Salah is injured and say he's out for like two or three weeks, Luke, do you think there is an option to just go straight back to an answer like Saka, for example? I mean, it's definitely an option. Remember when we looked yeah. at, I mean, I've still got it here in, um, in Chases. This is actually from last week, but uh, he ran simulations of no transfer teams from now to the end of the season. Um, and Saka appears in it. So he's still a viable option. I don't have to list why. Everyone knows why. Um, yeah. But I still wouldn't do it yet. And I think there are there's still seven other names above that you could consider at the moment on that list. And it's it's obviously changed slightly. Um, yeah, I just think if you're on three hit 32 in particular, there's no real desperation to go there. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I don't I care agree. about the fact that it affects... He says they're about it hurts your rank. Yeah, well, because he's got high ownership. Anyone who's got high ownership, and if they score, they can hurt your rank. But if another player is projected to do better, then it doesn't really matter. If anything, that's a benefit for me that more people have got a player that is expected to do worse. I don't play the whole rank management game. I go for the player yeah. who thinks got the highest potential. So um, I'm always happy when an extremely highly owned player is playing, and you know potentially it's suboptimal as per review. I, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, Nathan Smith says, Evening gents, I'm thinking about going without Liverpool for the rest of the season, excluding free hit 32. Am I crazy? Um, um, excluding free hit 32 the rest of the season. They double in 34, don't they? So I think I'd probably look to target um, Liverpool players around 34, definitely. Um, who are their fixtures in 34 again? Fulham and... They're home to Spurs and home to Fulham. Yeah, I suppose in Fulham, that's it. Is it Spurs and Fulham? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just forget the Arsenal game was obviously very tricky, but Leeds, Forest, West Ham. You could argue those three teams are yeah. up there with the worst teams in the league at the moment on form, if you believe in such thing. But I think in general, Forest, Leeds, West Ham are just pretty good fixtures. Then followed by Tottenham and Fulham, who again, I think you could argue those two teams are playing pretty poorly at the moment. And Mitrovic, Fulham, who I think have rid their luck at times this season. Spurs pretty poor. Brentford in 35, who give up a hell of a lot of XG in, in recent games. You know, Leicester after that. The fixtures are just really good. I wouldn't say you're crazy because there are so yeah. many alternative options and Liverpool are hardly you know firing on all cylinders. But um, I I personally would, would want one of the Liverpool attack. Now, if Salah is just out, like we're preempting stuff, let's say he's got a long-term injury, um, it does become a lot trickier as to who you would go for, mm. I think, because there's just... I don't know, who would you go for in that scenario? For me, it would probably just be Nunes, but then it's a striker option, which probably helps us, to be fair, because we're struggling in yeah. that area. I, I, that's probably where I'd go. I don't think I'd consider anyone else. Yeah, I do love the idea of having Nunes for 34 anyway, to be honest. Um, it'd almost be quite exciting if Salah was out, because you then got players who are all minute risks. Well, particularly Jota and Diaz, if he's uh, back in a few weeks. Um, Diaz is one I didn't think of, to be fair. If he's suddenly back and yeah. playing, then he was very good. So you- <clears throat> the thing that puts you off then is the fact that they're minute minute risks, and they suddenly might not be. So, but yeah, that's very much like a lot of um, ifs and buts there anyway. <laughs> before we discuss yeah. that, but yeah, basically it's it's not crazy. I don't think, but it's not. Um, def- I would, I would, not I would advise against it. Yeah, because Leeds, Forest, West Ham, well, Leeds and West Ham are good fixtures either side of three at thirty-two anyway. So if you can get Salah um, now, that's great. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking to get any of those pool assets until. 34. I'll probably end up getting a second one then, I would imagine. 
Yeah. And it'll probably be Nunes or Trent or, well, Nunes or a defender. Yeah, yeah. and you've already we've already just said. I mean, if you wanted to move, like, look at it moving it now, and you you want to just discredit having a Liverpool um, player, the team still would look great in midfield, regardless. You know, you've got two Brighton mids, two Man United mids potentially. Yes, Fernandez may be a little bit ropey, but I still think it's fine as we discussed. And then you add someone like Grealish to the mix or De Bruyne or something, who've also got doubles. Man City, I think it's fine. Don't you? I think it's just I think it's okay. I think you could avoid it, but not for me. I still prefer it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. Uh, another question from, what does that say? Multi, multi-live evil, I think it says. Um, says, uh, when's the best week to bench boost and triple captain? Yeah, good question that, because there will be some people who still have them left. So if you were triple captaining now, Luke, who would you be looking at? Um, quite, it's quite easy for me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's 34 and it's Salah or Haaland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um it's 34 and it's Ireland for me, I think. But yeah, I guess it depends on minutes. But I think Fulham and West Ham are so good. Well, let me go back to Chase's, not Chase's, Legomane's graphic. Um, but to, to be fair, we, we already knew that was a very, very likely double that would be there. Mm. Um, and the, but the reason that I and lots of other people played it earlier was because we knew that when we had those in that initial double from Ireland, it was like nailed. He would start both games and play a lot of minutes. And he did in the end. I can't remember if he played 90 in both, but he came close. And the worry was, like, we know we'll have these later better fixtures, but there's going to be more rotation around then. But, and yeah, that might well not be the case. That might have been a bad decision to have done it on Haaland earlier. Then he might well end up playing both those games, and that might end up looking really good. So, yeah, for me, it, it would just be, I think, Haaland that week, if I'd be confident he would start both. Yeah, I mean, the answer is just to look at review and t- say what it says, but I'm pretty be pretty confident that it will say Haaland or Salah in that week. Um, the turnaround's quite tight, but yeah, the, the Champions League is uh, is is another week after that, and they've got Leeds and and as you can see from the graphic before that, even so, if he's fit and available, yeah, you'd expect Haaland to get good minutes in both of those games. So yeah, I think that's pretty simple. In 37's got some decent games as well, but I don't think they'll be as good as that. Um, yeah, well, they're not as good as that. Yeah, nice. Um... And free hit, free hit, really just is completely team dependent, isn't it? If you can if you can put out eleven good players or close to it in thirty two, and you're fully happy with your team, by all means use it in thirty seven to get the optimal team. But yeah, I think for nearly everyone, thirty two makes sense at this point. So uh, there will be some people who still have like two <coughs> Arsenal, for example, and you can just carry them through and can get uh, like a really good team with ten players for thirty two without free hit. Um. So I do think that I think there are actually quite a lot of options for free hit. It's just yeah, the majority of us who wildcarded really recently. I really um, really like the free hit team in um, in thirty two. By the way, like if you were just making, I'm just going to bring it back up in the in the background. Not even just reviews one. I just made my own one. Um, yeah. Let's see if I can uh, find it. I guess yeah. If you don't have any Arsenal by then, and particularly most of us will have no Liverpool or just Salah straight away. That's five or six new players who can go big. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just like the different options that people probably won't have. So in 32, yeah. this is just, just an example free hit team that I did. You could have Jesus up front versus Southampton. Now, I don't think he'll be an obvious buy or an easy buy to that point. But if we if it's you know if he's back and he's fully starting, which potentially he is now, I think that's mm-hmm. a really cheeky differential. You've got Darwin Nunes home to Forest. And then Tony home to Villa I've got at the moment, but it depends whether he'll be banned. There's multiple other options. But that, I think that's three good strikers that maybe people won't have at that point. You know, yep. People will have sold Tony. Um, I think 
In midfield, you could have a double up of Madison and Barnes, home to Wolves. I think Barnes is sneaky. Um, alternatively, you could just have triple Arsenal attack. I think Saka would definitely be in there, and then you could have either Martinelli instead of Barnes or instead of Madison alongside them. And then Salah home to Forest, where, you know, if you're waiting to bring Salah in in 34, which seems like it's probably sensible now, and he might even be injured, you know, part of the free hit joy is, is able to get those three Liverpool players home to Forest, which is just a fantastic game. And if you've got Darwin, Nunes, Salah, and Trent for that, yeah, that's really powerful. So he's but he's part of my defence. I've got like Ben White. Ben White's starting. I think he's just been a great option for Arsenal and is getting more and more attacking. So he's a he's a good option. And then you've got someone like Castagna home to Wolves as well. And they've mm-hmm. got a new manager. I mean, there's loads of other options, but Castagna's got some attacking threat home tools. So basically, you could triple up on Leicester, Forest, um, Forest, triple up on Leicester, Liverpool well, triple versus... on Leicester and Forest. <laughs> Uh, Liverpool versus Forest and Arsenal yeah. versus Southampton and I think that alone makes the team really appealing even Fulham at home to Leeds you've got like Pereira who could play midfielder on penalties yeah. you know you've got uh, Palace defence crazy enough you could do like we just talked about grabbing the EV you could triple up on Everton um, they're playing Everton Christ I keep reading it <laughs> Palace home to Everton they get a clean sheet yeah. that's going to be differential to everyone I just really like the free hit team in 32 I think you can have some really exciting players that you might not easily be able to get yeah I completely agree I've just seen like quite a lot of teams like that were surprised by in 29 who still had two Arsenal only went with like one Man United player for example. So I just think like there will be people who go with their other options. But yeah, you're right. And Mix is saying in the chat like a lot of people will be on free hit 32, and it is most obvious for the for the, for the majority of people. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's, it's good fun when when it's full of uh, differentials as well. Oh, that's the whole point of the free hits to cover players you otherwise wouldn't have. Mm. Um, but if that's going to end up being your whole 11, that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we covered all the questions in the live chat now, so I'll just go back to the Twitter. Oh, I've lost the chat. Oh, no, here we, here we go. There's people having beef in our chat as well. Wow, we've made it. <laughs> Order. Might be a <laughs> beef in the chat. Love it. <laughs> I encourage it. <laughs> yeah, you do, if anything. Literally staring beef on Twitter is part of your job description, I think. <laughs> nah. Um, points. Okay. Do you think points in the bag make Arsenal favourite for the title, or will City's easy easier fixtures get them over the line? Um, <laughs> I actually saw a really interesting post about this today by uh, FPL Hedgehog. Don't actually know his real name, but that is his name on Twitter. Um, he basically shared an article from a live from a journalist. I think a Liverpool journalist, and the, the article basically said, oh, if, basically says something to the effect of, Arsenal are eight points clear, this will be one of the biggest like bottle jobs in the history of the Premier League if they don't win it from here. But that's complete, and he Hedgehog was pointing out that completely ignores the context of how good City are, the fact they've still got to play, Arsenal City have still got to play each other, uh, fixtures. Um, and actually, if you look at like market odds, or for example, various different models, they basically have it 50-50. Like wherever you look, whether it's odds, I looked at Simon uh, Analytic FPLs. He has his own model. He basically has it 50-50. Has them finishing on the same points. I'm on 538 here, which is another model. They've got Arsenal at 51% to win the Premier League. Man City at 49. Yeah. So, so the main thing I would say is that even though Arsenal are currently eight points clear, it's just really, really close. Uh, my guess, if I had to guess, I would guess that Arsenal will do it now. I just think like I've seen, they just look um, like. Man United, sorry, Man City, as we know, can just go on a run and win all the rest of their games. But it's just that Arsenal aren't slipping up as much as I thought they would. 
and they've had some bad performances recently. For example, like Bournemouth, where they've relied on a last-minute goal. Uh, similar against Everton, it took them a while to get going. Um, but then more recently, they've looked more comfortable. So I think they've just had, had quite a bit of luck. Um, in, sorry, not luck, but they've managed to get through those games with like big last-minute goals. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. I just can't see them slipping up enough for City to catch up. But it's, it's close. That's just what my guess would be. And it just very much feel like a guess. Yeah, I'd I'd want Man City to do it just because of you know how much I'm invested in in them really. But uh, in reality, I think it's, there's a good chance. Pretty much what you said. I just don't think Arsenal will slip up enough. The cushion's probably too much. But I think I think if anything, both teams could win conceivably every game. Well, they can't because they play each other. Apart from that game, um, they could win yep. every other game um, that they've got left, or at least very very close to it. They're just both so good. Yeah, they're both so good. Yeah. The thing I would say is, this is very much not a one-off season for Arsenal. Um, like they've got the youngest team on average in the league. They've got a very good manager. Um, they're going to have Champions League football next year. Like there's there's good reason to believe that Arsenal can challenge for the title for years for the next few years, for this next period of Premier League football. Um, that they consistently get close to the amount of points they're going to get this year. There's good reason to believe that I think. Like they've had they've had some good fortune in terms of injuries. They're probably maybe not quite as had as many as some other teams, apart from Jesus. Um, so there's definitely been a bit of fortune in this season. Obviously, City haven't been quite as good, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, we, we, this is feel. I feel like this is the beginning for Arsenal. And it might be that this is a real one-off opportunity because Man City's points, tied, points total li- likely won't be as high as it's been in some years. Like It's probably going to be more like mid-80s, but in other years it's been in the 90s. So maybe it is a big opportunity, but in terms of just them as an individual team, they're, they're going to... I can't see any reason why they're not going to keep getting better. They're I also think, making re- like really good signings. They're getting that right at the moment as well. Yeah, I think they'll be good challenges for for a few years for sure. But I still think City, if they have just you know what what they should do and they're normal and they continue to improve the way they are and invest the way they do, I just think Man City will be clear favourites every every time. So it, it, in that regard, mm-hmm. I do think it is a good opportunity because it's not going to be often that Man City are going to ship this many goals, essentially, <laughs> yeah. and get unlucky enough with some of the results they've had. Um, you'd almost need you know, something drastic to happen. And if Haaland's staying there for season on season, then I think you're in trouble, aren't you? He's, saying he's still improving, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Next question from FPL underscore Josh. With Frank coming in and double game weeks on the horizon for Chelsea, so I don't mean to laugh, do Havertz <laughs> slash Felix owners hold or sell instead of Tony to get Haaland? So basically, I think in summary, like, does Lampard make you prefer or <laughs> make you want Chelsea players less or more? I'm, just, it's, I'm completely indifferent to it. We just don't know, do we? Everyone <laughs> no. talks about manager bounce normally. Now, is it just like that's not going to happen with Frank because he's that much, <laughs> he's that much revered? Yeah, there's no bounce. Off, off. Yeah, it just absorbs. <laughs> Fat Frank just absorbs it rather than bounces. Wait, no, wouldn't he bounce? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, yeah, there's, what can we say? I think in going by previous seasons of, of Lampard, it seemed to me that he. He seemed to favour the attacking style of football, at least for Chelsea. I think it was very hard to do that with Everton anyway. But um, did that always work? No. I, I think it's more to do with he can't really set up a team defensively sound and that seems to be a bit of a challenge considering the best options from Chelsea seems to be their fullbacks. But 
he he's got he's got Havertz. Did he say, or has he got Felix? Um, he doesn't say. He just says he just is talking in the third person about Havertz, Havertz and Felix owners in general. So I presume he has one of them. Yeah, I mean, for now you just wait and see what happens, don't you? Yeah, just, I mean, just wait and see. Yeah, I, I, the real answer is you shouldn't have them to begin with. <laughs> but then, to be fair, I was picking up Havertz the other week, so. Um, no, Havertz or Felix is still fine because of the fixtures and the doubles but you just got to wait and see what, what's going to happen I think yeah. it would be expected the Mount comes back into the team wouldn't it given what happened before oh yeah he definitely assumes so yeah he loves Mount so if he goes yeah. into the front three because he do, he could play in midfield and this is presuming mm-hmm. he's even going to play a front three suddenly there's possibly one less spot and they've got a lot of forward options haven't they? they've got so many forward options even Pulisic yeah. Mudrik you know, Felix Havertz Sterling, Mount. I'm probably not giving you any confidence here. You just have to wait and see. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, wait and see. Um, great. Uh, the next question is Man City related, and you've already covered it, so I'll skip over that. Um, yeah. uh, from Ale- from uh, Alex at Alex Waterbaby, Alex Ball. Um, with a lot of us likely to move for Haaland in 30, and on free hit 32, it provides an option for a punty transfer in 31. Any ideas? I'm considering Madison to Grealish, but it would mean selling Grealish for Salah in 34, despite Jack having a double game week. Um, yeah, definitely, I definitely wouldn't bring in Grealish now if you're planning to sell him before 34. So I wouldn't go for him. Um, I would just don't see it as a punty one-off transfer because it's a free hit in 32. So you're going to get this player back in 33 anyway. So see it as a you see your transfer in 31 as um, a long-term one and then target 34 with that transfer. So don't see it as a one-off punt. No, because a free hit, you get your team back, don't you? So it's not really. Yeah. No, not unless he's com- completely happy with his team on the other side. Which is, you know, for me, that would, that's just not possible. I mean, I haven't seen his team, but the likes of Isak potentially a danger. You've got Shaw injured. I've got Salah potentially injured. You know, Tony could get banned. There's too many things for me to not have an option somewhere. Um, but if you're just asking, we may as well pick it anyway. If there's just one player you would pick for this game week, presumably in midfield... Would Jack not be right near the top of the list then? Um, let's have a little look. I'm I mean, just trying to, trying to remember the fixtures for this week. Yeah, uh, it would probably be... I mean, Leicester at home to Bournemouth. Um, Barnes probably stands out. Uh, yeah, it probably would be Grealish, to be honest, if it's just for this game week. Just thinking of who the other teams are playing. Um, I think Buendia or Barnes would be better. They're home to Forest and home to Bournemouth. I know that you then carry them afterwards, though, so it isn't just for one week, so... That, that's the issue. If it was for oh, one, it'd be one of them. If it's to carry, it's definitely Jack. Call Matt, you're Madison, yeah. Yeah, but you want to sell him after this, don't you? Because he's oh, six just go yeah. bad, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But yeah, just, just don't view it like that. Yeah, view it as a long-term transfer. Um, but yeah, he is still a good option this week, though, Grealish, of course. If he starts. Um, if he starts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Carl JB, <laughs> at what minute will you be tucking in your cat? That is, <laughs> that sounds so weird to people. That was a reference to Luke leaving the podcast last week for a few minutes. Yeah. Cat. So sort out what he thought was his cat and turned out to be his child. Yeah, cat related, yeah. related offences going on all over the place today. I thought it was still there. That's why I just slipped behind, but it's moved on. <clears throat> yeah, let's move yeah. on. I think there was another question from Irons, wasn't there? I don't know if you're going to read that one out. Yeah, <laughs> FPL and says very maturely. Would you rather win FPL or lose your virginity? Very good, implying that. Yeah, obviously, what that joke's implying. Um, well, I assume that was an offer from him. 
<laughs> yeah. Is he offering to take it from me or anyway? Or is arrogant of him to like think he's good enough to offer like you guaranteed winning FBL? Like, yeah, he can sort that out, can you? He can sort us out winning F- I'd rather win FBL. Next question. <laughs> Obviously. Carry on. <laughs> um is Sam always as annoying when he has a good game week? Um, yes. Next question, Mark. That was from FBL Outcast. <laughs> I like Mix's answer, by the way. He says, you win and then you will lose it. <laughs> as in, you win FPL and then there'll be offers for you to lose your virginity. I'm not, not, I'm not, not sure. sure it's as, as rock and roll as he thinks. <laughs> yeah. I think of that meme of um, sort of whispering to the girl in a club where she's looking away straight away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is like fascinating how like, really not that many people care about FPL. <laughs> Compared to how much the most do. sensible kind of person most of the time. I used to think well, like, then, how can you exist in your life without something like this to keep you occupied? But I think slowly over the years, I'm realizing it's me who's just completely wasting my time. It's, a gl- it's glorious when you meet someone who's like really into it uh, out of the blue, like, and it all, you know it always ha- it always happens at weddings because weddings are always on a Saturday, and so there's always football on. And certain, it's always going to be during like the reception when the, you're having your food and there's the speeches and you've yeah. got your phone out on the table just checking the scores. And you get placed on a seat, normally on a table with people you don't know, but they generally try and put the tables with people who are going to get on. So you're probably paired with someone who you're a similar age to. <laughs> so, yeah, I was randomly meet people. I, I, I both like FBI. and hate that, though, because then it's really hard to just become like full <laughs> casual, isn't it, at that point and pretend... <laughs> Just not let on quite how much of a geek and how much you are into it. You've got to kind of gauge it. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, your team looks all right. Are you thinking about sort of getting Bruno? And they're like, nah, he's not in form. And I'm thinking, okay, he's a casual. I'm not bothered. <laughs> You've got to kind of gauge your entry. You can't just steam in straight away and go, if you if you looked at 37, the double implications, the bench boost. You know, on, F, on FPL review, he's like 6.7 EV. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just a no-go. Yeah. You're going to get kicked out. You're not heard of Ben Crowley, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think if someone's heard of Ben Crowley, then you know that they're really into FPL. <laughs> but there's a really good like measure. And and not like Ben must have, I think Ben has like over three hundred thousand followers as well, so it's more people than it's way more people than you think. Yeah, but it's not just for that reason. There's another reason why people know of him. Is there? Yeah. Don't you remember the I don't even know if I should mention it. Do you remember the fantasy football hub thing with the with the hacking? Oh, no, I don't. Well, they basically just changed everyone's... The guy had some sort of vendetta against him, so he changed oh, just yeah. random people's team names to, to Ben Krellin. So oh, I yeah, literally met that. people, like, in my mini-league, about three people's names was changed to Ben Krellin, and they were like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Who's Ben Krellin? They thought he was the responsible hacker. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, he's just a fixtures guy on Twitter. I don't know what's going on. So I think there'll be people in the wider world that didn't know who he was, but now they do as a result of that. Mm. Should we move I feel on like even if he was a hacker, he, he would be There you like, go. Look, there's my mate in the chat. I didn't realise he was here. Christopher Vernon. He's my mate in real life who sort of <laughs> started to play FPL again after many, many years. And I think, was it your team, Chris, or someone else in the league got changed? He was one of the ones who asked me. He's like, who the hell is this Ben Krellin guy? He would, um, if Ben Krellin was a hacker, he would be a hacker for the greater good. He would do something good for society with his hacking, for sure. Yeah. He, seems, he seems like too good a guy. He definitely seems like the type who, who could learn hacking as well pretty quickly. And as well, I was just sorry, just because we're rambling because we're talking about it. Like Ben, if you look at like the overall, I think it's called the Scout Hall of Fame or other spreadsheets that people have, like that like, track all-time FPL. Ben's always like right up there as an all-time FPL manager. Um, you love his, ben, his records. He is great. 
he's phenomenal but also like think how much he helps other people in terms of his spreadsheets mm. like he could if he just kept that to himself <laughs> he could do even better most years yeah yeah anyway I'll stop swooning over Vengrelling should, should we end it because we're just talking nonsense now aren't we yeah we've got I've actually got one more question left so it's good timing okay it's from Sir Telp actually who is uh, who runs FBL Optimizer we mentioned earlier for those who don't know um, would you prefer to maximize your chance of winning FPL, uh, however small that is, or make it into a decent rank, say 10k, 100k, etc.? Trying to finish, trying to win FPL means you have to have an equal chance of getting a really bad finish. Which one's more important, one-time success or consistency? Win FPL all day, or at least try. I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm literally living proof of attempts to do that. I think if you, if you're a person who has started. I think I mentioned this before, if you sort of started a fresh account now and you played the very sensible way, I think like someone like Jan in the community, people don't know him, who's like one of the best managers in the world, I think he's 111th in the world at the moment again. He's only played for three seasons. He's played very, very efficiently, very, very well, and his track record is going to look ridiculous. Now, if I was him, I don't know, maybe he'd say different. Probably the focus now would be to maintain that record and get one of the most perfect records like the world's ever seen. But if you haven't got something like that to work from, then the the answer is obvious to me. You try and win FPL, surely. Yeah, yeah. Not that I think they're mutually exclusive, by the way. This is a niche yeah. scenario he's put in, but yeah, I think ma- maximizing your chances of winning FPL and trying to get a decent rank are the same thing. Really. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah. but but I think what sets out means is maybe like late in the season, say your rank now was like half a mil. Well, like our rank now, it's probably like not technically impossible that we would win FPL. It would just require a stupid amount of luck. Mm. So maybe take someone at 10k then instead. Say someone's ranked 10k and they're like 80 or 90 points off a of first. Like it's possible they will win it. Like the winner last year, um, he was like miles behind with a few game weeks to go, and then like took a big gamble, had the captain on KDB in 36, sold Salah, did loads of other stuff. So I guess it's more that scenario. Um, but I still think in that scenario, you just go with who you think will get the most points yeah. in most cases until right at the end. And then I think if I was like. I don't know, like 30 points of winning it with like a couple of game weeks to go then I would think oh maybe I need to take a couple of gambles to give myself a realistic chance because of the amount of people in front of me but yeah but I would, but in general would I rather consistent decent ranks or win it once I'd rather win it once for sure yeah and this is the thing no matter who you look at for any given season who's won FPL like when you look back at their story for the season everything they did just turned to gold like it's just always going to be the way like doesn't matter if yeah. they played well or they played poorly or whatever um, they will have had a large amount of luck. Like it is just no two ways about it, and there's not too much you can learn from it. I think that guy who won, not to discredit anything he's done, but I think he's like three hundred thousand again this year, and I've seen him taking wild punts week on week, and it's that is literally yeah a one-off opportunity, isn't it? It's it's not going to happen again playing that way. Um, if anything, you're more likely to do to do poorly um, most seasons. And like we were saying earlier, I'd still like we take it. Just, but say you had like ten top K finish, ten K finishes. What that gets you respect from a high, an extreme minority of nerds. Yeah, in the community, basically. Gets, gets <laughs> Whereas you... if you can, if if you can tell like absolutely anyone, oh, I won FPL once, and it was out of ten million people. Yeah. Like, and someone who's not interested in football will be like, oh, that's mad. No, that's really yeah, go back to that wedding, and you're getting a drink bought for you. But if you tell him you come top ten k three times, you'll be like, oh, really? Okay, cool, and then <laughs> swiftly move away. Yeah. What did you win? Oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right I great. think we'll end it there yeah yeah great good fun thanks guys for coming tuning in watching us we appreciate it Chris I didn't expect to see you but thanks for tuning in mate 
love that um yeah if you guys could like share subscribe all that good stuff we'd be very grateful anything else to say sam just the black box is their 100th episode right now so congratulations to them and also they're probably still going for another few hours so uh everyone over there now um uh after you yes yeah, so thanks for joining us when that is still on because we know how popular that podcast is so we appreciate those of you who still joined us. Oh yeah. Now go and go and tune into Mark and Az now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks, thanks for everyone who listens. We appreciate it as always. And class them as super fans, can't we? In that scenario, as a result. Love oh yeah. Them. Yeah. Right. See you Absolutely. later. See you later, everyone. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.